And even if you have a bad day, you're more grounded. I think when we do that and we are more grounded and we are more centered, when that bad day happens, we can handle it so much more effectively. I used anything scary or negative. I used to handle with emotion and fear. So then you're not, you're not thinking clearly, but having that calm really lets you effectively be present for whatever's in front of you so you can rationally process through it. And that's been a life changer for me, being able to step back, breathe and handle it rationally, whatever it may be. Hey guys, welcome to the Power and Persistence podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Blois, business owner, mentor, self-care advocate, manifester, wife, and mama of two. This podcast is designed to make you feel seen and inspired. Join me for honest and raw conversations with successful women and purpose-driven entrepreneurs. We'll explore how they imperfectly but persistently juggle career, family, and relationships, all while honoring their authentic selves. Let's dive in. Hey guys, I'm so excited to come on and let you know that I have created a free journal template for you. Badasses build boundaries. Boundaries have been essential to me in my healing journey, and I know they can do the same for you. It's when we say no to the things that don't serve us that we're really able to be true to who we authentically are and who we are looking to become. So go into the show notes or go to my website, jessieblois.com to find the link and download your copy today. Okay, this is going to be a fun episode. I'm here with Christina Bood, who's a clinical licensed therapist and a dating and relationship coach. And today we're going to just focus on our relationship with ourselves and how that impacts our relationships with others. So I'm really looking forward to having this conversation with you. And thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited. I'm really excited too. So why... um. I know we have a lot to talk about, about finding ourselves and how that impacts family relationships, friendships, um, who we date, our marriages, but give us just a little bit of background about you first. Sure. So I have been in the mental health world for 10 years, which is just crazy to think about. (laughs) And, um, I've been in now private practice. So working with people, couples, um, for just a few years and it's been really wonderful. Um, and I think that was really the start of when I started to find myself. So I worked in the school setting for seven years and I was really stressed out and I feel like I didn't have any time for myself. I didn't really take care of myself, to be honest, It, it was not great. And, um, so when I went out on my own, um, you know, almost two years ago that I had to start doing that. You know, I started wearing a lot of hats. And so now um, I am definitely all about the relationships. It's what I do, my therapy practice and my coaching business and help people find healthy love. And I think it's just such a wonderful thing. And, you know, love is love and relationships are just the most amazing thing that we could have in life. You know, when we're at the end of our life, we're not thinking about how much money we made or, you know, the trips that we took. I mean, those things are great, but we're thinking about the relationships that we have with people and the impact that we've made on them and our connections. Mm -hmm. What would you say are, if there are like the top, I don't know, three most common themes 
you see in relationships when the relationship is struggling? Such a good question. Um, and a very complex one. <laughs> yeah. Can you just, no, I'm just kidding. No, yeah. Quickly, I, go, I can, three. There's <laughs> way more than three, but of course, every single person that comes in my door and is coming in for a relationship issue or like wanting to fix their relationship, whether it's a couple or individual, they say communication. That is the number one thing that everyone tells me um, on some level, it's always about different things, but it's always communication. Mm-hmm. And then I would say the second thing is that I typically see, and, and I work from an attachment theory model. That's how I do a lot of my work and, and how I teach my clients. And I see a lot of dynamics where there's a lot of push pull, even in, with my individual clients, they describe it exactly like that, where, you know, when someone wants to talk, the other is pulling away. And then it's just this constant, like back and forth in the relationship. And it's like a, you know, there's like ebbs and flows and there's times where it feels really good. And then times where it feels really bad. Um, and then the third one would be just like making time for each other. You know, after a while, it's really hard to do that, especially when you have kids and you are having all the life things happen to you and, and just life, right. There's a lot of things going on. A lot of things we're going to experience. And, um, that's really hard to keep that relationship a priority. I can relate to every single thing that you just said, because there it's so true you mentioned that you work from attachment style. Mm-hmm. Just talk to us really quickly. Like, what does that mean? Yeah. So attachment theory, um, is originated from, um, John Bowlby and he did all this research and there have been many people after him, but that was really the start of it. And it speaks to the way that we connect with others, how we emotionally connect. And this starts when we are around one, we are learning how to love others by the way that our caretakers are loving us. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people will say to me, like, I had like a good childhood. I don't know why I'm like this. Right. And really it doesn't matter. (laughs) Like we all are conditioned certain ways, even by trends, you know, in parenting, like we could be impacted in that way. Um, but either way we grow up with these imprints on our brain about how we connect with others. And that shows up in our lives. And that's what attachment theory is. It's how we're connecting with others. And it's not just with romantic relationships. It's with every relationship in your life, your coworkers, your family, the grocery store person, like whoever it's everyone. It's how you're showing up and how we connect. Is it kind of related to the love languages? Not really. So love languages potentially it could be, um, but love languages are more just like how we like to receive love and how people show us love. This is more like when there's, let's say, let's just talk about dating, right? So I work with a lot of people who are dating and when they are dating, they might feel really anxious, right? In the beginning stages, or once maybe they get into the relationship, they start overthinking everything or worrying a lot about what the other person is thinking. Um, And then the opposite end, you might have someone who's more avoidant. And so when someone gets too close, their physical system, like they don't even realize it's happening. It's subconscious. They pull away and then they actually do pull away. And then it makes the anxious chase. And that's where that push and pull comes in. It makes so much sense. Um, I'm just, I'm thinking about my own marriage and we've been together for so long now that I think our attachment styles have evolved as we've aged and it's changed, but I can just See that in us at different points in our relationship to this day. And 
as you know, as we evolve, we don't, maybe we have more strategies that we pull from, but it never just, you know, obviously gets easy or we get it dialed in. There's always something to be working on. And like, like you were saying, life happens. So being intentional with our time for each other, um, is really, it's really important. And it's a huge challenge. Um, I think when, for, for me, and I want your opinion on this, when we were starting out with babies and careers, I'm, you know, I'm just happy our marriage made it. It was hard. It was dark at times, like lonely and scary. And it wasn't until I think we each went through separate healing journeys and our kids got older and didn't require so they require our energy in different ways that we were able to kind of feed back into that relationship. Do you find working with couples that it's when they're really in the thick of raising little ones, their marriage starts to kind of crumble? I actually went to get my nails in the other day and this sweet young woman was sitting next to me with a three-month-old. And she's like, I finally made it out of the house. I just had to do this. And then we started talking and I talked to her a little bit about what I do. And she goes, marriage is really hard, right? And she's been married for like a year. And I was like, it is. And you could just like, be like, no matter what stage you're at, like, it's a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you hit the nail on the head, actually. So one thing that people often say to me is, well, things are really good at the beginning before we got married or before we had kids. And now we don't know what's going on. And that's because these big life events, they trigger that in our system and our attachment styles can actually change. And I really believe that we all lean a certain way. So I, um, so you have insecure attachments. That's the, the avoidant and the anxious and then secure. And so I definitely lean more anxious and it's very dependent on your partner. So there's a lot of pieces to this. And so when these events happen, that's why now it feels so hard because you could go from feeling really secure to now being more insecure. And then that's when those problems arise. And it usually is a life event that causes that. So what, um, how do you help couples through this? I would just be like, hang on for the ride, (laughs) right? Like, how do you, do you meet with them separately and together? Do you always meet with them together? How does, how does it work? Yeah. So it depends, um, in terms of whether I meet with them, some individually, but together, but always together. Sometimes we'll do some other sessions just depending on what's going on. Um, but typically we do a lot of education about what this means, what this looks like. And we start talking about it and we start being more open about how we're really feeling and learning more about how we're showing up in these situations and relating to each other and then giving them the tools to do that. And you can work on attachment in individual or couples. It both would be great. Ideally, I want to have couples and I love to tell them individual therapy is also really helpful through this process. And because you're going to change either way, you're, you can get to that place, whether you're in a relationship or you're not. And so it can be done in in either way, but I think it is a really beautiful experience when couples come in and they're able to work on that together and it creates a lot of safety and support Mm -hmm. and they can get to that space in their relationship a lot quicker when they are doing it through couples. My husband and I have definitely done couples therapy on and off throughout our marriage. And I've always found it so helpful. It's kind of wild. Like we'll go in without 
we're in a really good place, we will fight and like air everything for an hour. And then we'll walk out like holding hands and like not even bring it up for the rest of the afternoon. But I think um, we're able to take a lot of the strategies or the language used in that session and then bring it back into our daily lives where there's something to be said about using the language a therapist gave us besides just our own. That's almost more triggering to be like, Oh, I really need to pay attention to this or, Oh, this is like something that's really important to my partner. And it brings you a little bit more present than if I'm just airing that my same grievances or desires or wants over and over and over again, without that extra guidance. So I, I have seen firsthand how beneficial couples therapy can be. I think that's great. Have you, what happens when one person goes on this self-evolution journey and the other person doesn't? Have you seen, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I work with a lot of individuals as well. And, you know, I think it really depends because I always say this, that relationships, any relationship can get better. Any relationship can be fixed. We can, we can figure this out. But the only way that it won't work is if one person's not invested in doing it. And so as long as the other person is taking that journey alongside you, whether it is individual or not, then things are going to get better. But when you have one person doing that and the other person is unwilling, I see a lot of times that people tend to grow apart and, you know, it's not ideal (laughs) that they're in that situation, but it's true. You know, if you're evolving, it's hard to be in a relationship with somebody who is not willing to do that um, and not willing to grow. I think you said it really beautifully just now though. And it can almost be, I know it's a very complex topic, but it was very simplified. And if one person, if both people are willing and want to make it work, you can, right? But if one person isn't willing, then I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's You're nothing kind of up can against do. the wall. Okay. So, but you and I, we met in um, a way where we're both in these different journeys and we want to be working with, for me, individuals, you couples and individuals. So let's kind of go back because for me, the past five, six years have been a lot of self-healing. Um, Let's talk about that, working on our relationships with ourselves and how we show up in the world. And then how that translates into the rest of our life. It does. (laughs) Well, for some background, you know, I've been through this journey myself and, you know, I've been in um, many relationships, but, um, you know, and I've always done a lot of work on myself. That's always been something that's really important to me as a self growth and, and doing the work and healing from the past. And, and I have experienced a lot of trauma um, when I was a child. And so becoming an adult, I had a lot of patterns that weren't supportive of my relationships. And when I ended my past relationship, it was an awakening. We'll say <laughs> it was like, oh my gosh, right. What do I do now? And I think a lot of people feel that at whatever point we reach where we're just like, okay, it's time. Something is not working here. And When I did that, when I decided, and that is the key thing here is that you have to choose it. You can't just wait for it to happen. You have to choose that. Like, I want to be better. I want to heal this, or I want to work on this. And when I did that, that was immediately when things changed because I chose it. And now I could be the person with the identity that was 
willing to work on this and face those hard things and recognize stuff that needed to change so that I could really have healthy, meaningful, deep relationships with others. So do you mean things changed for you personally when you made the choice to end that relationship? Everything. (laughs) Everything? Yeah, it was it was my relationship with myself. Um, it was my relationship with my friends, my family, and how I now show up in relationships because I'm choosing that. And that's the biggest thing. Um, how did you step. come to realize you had to end it, that you had to make that choice? Was it just a feeling? Was there an event? How did you, how did you know? Yeah, that's a great question. So I, I struggled for a while, you know, trying to figure this out. Because it was, was a little, long-term relationship, right? It wasn't it was a short dating. Mm-hmm. No, this was someone, you know, I was going to spend my life with and, um, you know, we were about to move in together and get engaged and all these things were about to happen. And it was so hard because we hold on to things, I think, <laughs> for way longer than we should. And I will fully admit that that was what I was doing. And I knew all the things in my head. I mean, I was doing this for work, right? So I knew that there was a point that I was going to reach where this was not going to be okay because I know that I need a partner who is also living and breathing the things that I'm teaching to people. It's really important to me. (laughs) And so I just got to the point where, you know, I was feeling so drained by the relationship and I felt like it was really impacting my mental health. I was struggling every day. It was so hard. I didn't really feel like I was being myself. And I really had to ask myself, can I see this being long-term? And one of the, I have three magic questions and <laughs> they're all, I made a whole episode on, on my own podcast about this and definitely recommend if you're listening to this and you're unsure to go listen. Um, but one of the questions is- Say the name of your podcast. Yeah. So it's called Becoming the One. And we talk all about relationships and dating. And one of the big questions that I ask, asked myself and what I also ask my clients is if you had a child and they came to you and they were telling you all about this situation, it was the exact same situation that you're experiencing right now. What would you tell them? That's so heavy. Yeah. That really makes you look it straight in the face. Yeah, because this is somebody that you would love that you would want the best for, and you should also want the best for yourself. Yeah, it's so easy to want it for others and to um, not feel that we're worthy of that. That part, that takes you back so much to self-worth. 100%. And that is, that's a, for me, self-worth is going to be a lifelong journey. Yeah, absolutely. And when we're looking at this, you know, this isn't just like, oh, somebody does like one thing wrong and we ran away. Like, I don't advocate for that. I think that you definitely should work on things and talk and be really open about how you're feeling. But there is a point where it comes and you've talked about it, you've worked through it and like things aren't changing. Like, what would you tell that person? What do you tell your child? And that's, was the the point for me where I was just like, okay, we have to, we have to move on. Like, you know, this is not healthy anymore. Like I'm not feeling healthy. And I made that decision and it was, a great decision because, you know, I, I'm in such a different place now. And, and it really does sometimes just take that really hard thing to happen for us to wake up and realize that we have to take control of our lives and that there's more for us out there. I'm sure it was so scary to make that decision in the moment though, because when you end 
a long-term relationship, it's not just the relationship that's going away. It's literally your life as you know it, your routine, your your home, like just everything, um, how you oh, spend yeah. your days. It's You're really tied up in this person. And now that's your comfort and what you know, and you're really unraveling everything. Absolutely. I was. <laughs> yes, it was. It was it was very uprooting, you know, and, and on a great way where, you know, I was about to, you know, move in with this person. My lease was almost up. I had to figure out where am I going to live? You know, oh, yeah. I, had figure, I had to figure that out. I had to figure out, you know, what I was going to do with the business because I had, well, I was relying on that person supporting me. This was only months before. And they said that they would, they were, they were going to help and it was going to be this whole thing. And now it's not. And it was like, can I really do this on my own? And I have been, which is amazing. And at the time though, it did not feel that way. Like I did not know what to do. I didn't know how I was going to move forward. But again, it's just that choice of like, okay, I am going to move forward. I am going to heal this. Was it something you were sitting on for a long time? Or was it something where you woke up one day and you're like, I can't do this anymore. This is not what's right for me. It was a long time. So it was probably like six months where there was a lot of, turmoil, internal turmoil. And then I would say like two months of really heavily considering what I was going to do. And, and then I just had to ask myself those questions and make the decision. And I didn't have anything figured out before I did, before I did it, but it it all unfolded exactly the way that it needed to. Was it a decision that was a mutual decision or did you also have to go through the process of really feeling like you were going to hurt this person that you once thought you were going to share your life with. Cause I would imagine that's another huge roadblock or um, I don't know. I'm sure there's a better term for what I'm thinking, yeah. but to make you second guess yourself or not make the decision because you don't want to hurt somebody else. Yeah. It was a mutual decision. I would say at the end of the day, you know, a lot of people think too with breakups that the other person's like horrible or they've done all these like awful things. And while I think there are definitely things that he would regret, um, he also felt really sad about a lot of things that he was doing. And it's interesting because I hear this a lot where people say, well, if he wanted to, he would. Uh And I hear that so much. It was actually this like trending TikTok thing. I don't know how long ago it was, but they were talking about this. And it's funny because I do agree that if someone wants to put in the effort, they will, right? We can't make them. But I think it's also a lot deeper than that. I mean, this was the situation where he really wanted to, but he really couldn't. There was so much healing he needed to do. And it just was not going to be, we just weren't aligned anymore. No. Okay. So that's really interesting. So I think as we age, we sometimes realize more of, the healing we need to do. We're not even when we're younger, we don't even know, right? That something from our past is going to come up and be something we have to work through as we get older. I mean, a hundred percent. It wasn't until my later thirties or my mid thirties that I was like, Oh, this is definitely not the person, friend, wife, mother, business owner, boss that I want to be like, this does not work. This is, I'm, treating this is shitty this is not 
So then I start peeling back the onion and you start peeling back the onion and it's messy and it's painful and it's lonely. And that really rocks a relationship. So you said he had a lot of healing to do on his own. I mean, maybe people get together and they're really aligned. And then as we age or life circumstances change, you start peeling back this onion. You realize there's all this healing to do. And then that alignment shifts and you're no longer able. Sometimes I guess you can grow together and sometimes you can't. Honestly, if my husband and I hadn't had had children together at the time, it was really hard. So I don't know what our choice would have been. I think for a long time, having two very young children, just we kept going. Thankfully, we did because it's we're in a much better place now. But I think if we hadn't had kids at that time, it definitely would have been a lot easier to be like, we are, we are not seeing eye to eye. Yeah. Yeah. It, that happens a lot, right? Where we get to a place where we are learning more about ourselves because a lot of us get married in our twenties or early thirties. And then we don't fully know who we are yet, which is fine. Life is a, it's a journey your whole life. You get to learn who you are for the whole time you're alive. That's awesome. And then, yeah, you learn that you're not aligned with this person. And so here is the difference. And it goes back to what I was saying before, where you and him were willing to be on the journey together. Yeah. And this person was just not able to do that. They were not willing to go on that. And there was also a lot of external factors that I think, you know, it contributed to him not being able to move forward. And it was, it was really sad and, and really heartbreaking, but at the same time, like how long can you wait and be miserable for that person to get on, on board with you? A hundred percent. And I think that is like the one really beautiful part of my marriage is we, neither one of us has never said like, I'm not willing to go to that therapy session with you or to have this conversation with you or to put in the effort. We've both always shown up in that regard, even when things were dark. Um, I will say if it's hard before marriage and children, it's not getting easier. Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. You just look like you're, you're getting on a tangent here. So I have a really hot take that I feel like people don't like to hear because we are so conditioned to believe that love and relationships are supposed to be hard. And I do not believe that. I, I never say that, and I, but I hear it so much. I mean, you know, we hear, we see that in every single movie. I mean, think about it. I can go turn on my Netflix right now and every movie I put on the couple has to go through some kind of hardship. Uh-huh. And then like everything is so lovely and beautiful after. And we really think that's how it is. That love and relationships has to be really hard. And it is just not that way. Relationships can be easy. They should be easy. Yeah. Especially when you're first dating. And now the difference though is that, or the thing about it is that, you know, people will be like, well, hard things are happening. Or does that mean you never fight? It's like, no, yeah, you absolutely are going to go through hard things and you're going to fight, you're going to have disagreements. Like those things are normal and healthy. Um, I think conflict is very healthy. I'm here for it, but it's not going to feel like you're climbing up a mountain with a parachute on your back and it's a hailing and there's a bear chasing you. Like that's, yeah, that's how a lot of relationships feel for people. And that's not how it's supposed to feel. That means that you're really not aligned if that's how your relationship is feeling. So I, I really like that. Someone said to me, not that long ago, actually. Um, 
because, you know, we were talking about before, I mean, okay. So for Ben and me, before we had kids, yes, absolutely. Was there conflict? Was there annoying? Yes, absolutely. But like at the end of the day, I loved just being with him. We had so much fun together. Um, and we were each other's priority. Like we only had to give our attention to each other and to work. That was it. And then kids come and that all gets turned upside down. And someone said to me the, the other day, at the end of the day, your kids are going to grow up and they're going to move out of the house. And when you think of yourself home with him, your husband, when the kids are gone, how do you feel about that? And I think they thought I was going to say, oh my God, I cannot imagine having to spend all my time with him. But I said, that's when we're going to like, it's going to be so good. Like we're so good when we can pay attention to each other and we're on the same page. That's why I think actually working together was really good for us. And she was like, oh, then that's a marriage to stay in, right? Where it might be hard now, your attention's divided in, into a million places, but at the end of the day, you want to be together and you don't feel like you're climbing up a mountain with a parachute and a bear and all the things. Yeah. It's, it's strictly life's challenges. That yeah, take you away from one another. Totally. And you're able to navigate them better. You know, a relationship should be a support, not something that is incredibly difficult in making your life harder. Now, of course, there are times where it's going to be hard. Like, I just really want to make sure that that message is clear. Like, it's not going to be feeling like this, you know, vacation all the time. Absolutely nope. not. You're gonna, <laughs> yeah, you're going to go through things. But like you said, you're still choosing each other at the end of the day. And it's not feeling like that person is hard to be with and work with. It's that the situation is hard. They're very different and that the problem yes. can't be separated. Yeah. It's not the person. It's the situation. I like that a lot. Um, I have a daughter. She's eight. And she said to us the other day, something about like, when can she have a boyfriend and get married? She's watching Full House. So there's a lot of talk about boyfriends. Well, and um, yeah. And I'm like, um, marriage, that's good in your 30s. I got married at 25. I think that's really young. I really do. I met him when I was 21. We got married at 25. I know maybe our parents got married around that age, but I think as the world's evolving and changing, people are getting married later. And I really think there's a lot to be said for that because. I know for sure I had no clue who I was and what I needed out of life and a partner at 25. I think we just got lucky and we were able to find a way to grow together. But I mean, by the skin of our teeth. Yeah. It's really hard to, I mean, same thing with asking an 18 year old to pick a major. What the hell does an 18-year-old know about what they want to do with their life? I agree and, with that. <laughs> right? So I'm asking a 20-year-old or a 23-year-old to be like, who would you like to spend the rest of your life with? When like, I didn't even know what like credit card that was until we got married and we were now together. And I was like, oh shit, you have credit card debt. Like I've been balancing the check. Like you just don't know what life is and you're making these huge monumental decision. So for my kids, I'm like 30s, <laughs> 40. <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah. just, it's wild. The, you know, the situations we make 
decisions on when we're so young. Yeah. So many people are making those decisions and, you know, again, I don't think there's any right or wrong decision, but just realizing that, you know, you probably don't have a good idea yet of like who you are and, and, and maybe you do, and that's great, I, but you're going to change either way, you know, whether you, you do or you don't. Yeah. And, but you know what? I think like, as you age, you realize more and more about what you don't know. And at Absolutely. 22 and 25, you're like, I know. So like, that's yes. the other hard part at that age. I definitely wasn't like, well, I'm ever evolving and I'm changing. And I think this is a good decision, but like, I'm on a journey to discover who I No, I thought like, for sure, like, this is my person. I'm going to go work. Like, I know what my life's going to look like. And I mean, just yeah. on you like me, right? Like, cause it's only as you age that you realize, nah. Yeah. Yeah. I too have felt that <laughs> as I get older, I'm like, oh, like more to learn. And I think too, it's like, there's so much pressure from people to get married. I mean, even in your twenties, I remember being like 27 thinking I needed to like find my forever, you know, person. And just looking back, I'm like, I, you know, glad I didn't find them because I didn't know myself. I wasn't ready yet for that kind of commitment. And especially in, you know, my thirties now and working with a lot of women in their thirties, there's a lot of pressure around it that we need to find this person and that like, we're going to miss out if we don't find them and yeah. there's gonna be less in the dating pool in a few years, if we don't hurry and biological clocks and all the things, it's just, it's constantly. And I always think about when there's this pressure like that, most marriages, according to the data right now, are not working out. The people are not happy. And so I'm like, it's not like once you get married, it's like this sealed deal, right? Heck, did it. Everything's yeah. great. Yeah. Like that you're going to have to work at it and that the success rate is really low. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to have a successful relationship, that's why going all the way back to the beginning of our conversation of attachment theory is getting to a secure place allows you to get with another, you know, secure person or learn to work with someone who's not quite as secure as you are. It sets you up for the most success in your marriage and that it's, it's less about the hurry up. I need to get married. And it's more about the, what work can I do on myself in the meantime to make sure I'm in the most amazing place in my life so I can find that amazing partner for me and have a successful relationship. Could you imagine if there were like courses in that when we were all in our early 20s or late teens about how to do self-work? Like where to even start and what avenues to take and what to even look at in yourself to become the best version of you. So you have um, a really established sense of worth when choosing a partner. Could you imagine how different that would be instead of finding your worth in a partner? Absolutely. Yes. I mean, yeah. And we should create that. We should make these like geared at like 18 to 23. Yeah. I agree. Go through this five-year boot camp before making any decisions. Five years. That's a long time. I know, but think about how much you change between 18 to 23. So much. Yes. So much. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm actually, so I'm working on right now, um, launching something that will be doing that. So it'll be available. Yeah. My daughter will do it when she's ready. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And it's going to be all about 
um, attachment and getting to that secure place so that you can have those really healthy, amazing relationships. And it can be available. It's what I work with my one-on-one clients with and getting them to feel really good and to also understand that your worth is already there. It's not about finding it. It's truly you just recognizing it, like letting it come out. You are born worthy. There's no, there's no, am I worthy? Am I worthy of this thing? No, you already are. And it's just a matter of you going inside and believing that and allowing it to flourish. I think that's an incredible program. I want to hear more about it. Um, but I also, I just want to go back to what we were saying really quickly about you were mentioning the pressure that women feel to get married at a certain age. You need to get married. You need to find your partner. I see it happening with um, babies, with having children, women feeling like all my friends are having babies right now. Everybody's getting started. I don't want to be an older mom, but let me tell you, and I tell this to people, but I mean, I think you can only know once you've lived it and experienced it. It's something where it's a lot of rhetoric. Being, I became a mom at 28 and then again at 31. And because I didn't know myself and I didn't have a sense of calm and a, you know, a, a center, I was a very anxious mom. And it was really hard on me and our marriage. And I look back and I think I really didn't enjoy having babies. I really wasn't present. I was always worried, always tired, always anxious, always in fear mode. And now at this age, my ship has sailed for having more babies. But I think, God, to know what I know now and to be who I am now and have a baby would be such a beautiful experience because I am so different and I'm so much calmer and I have so much more trust just in the whole process. So women feel so pressured to do it young, but really I think there's a lot of beauty to like not rushing it and just letting it happen whenever it's meant to happen for you. So anyways, anyone out there feeling pressured to have babies, like, no, it's okay to figure you out first. Um, Okay. So talk to me about your program and your personal journey even, or what you do with your clients, what are those areas that we need to unravel and learn about ourselves to assist us in knowing really how to find the best partner for us? Yeah. So I'll start with like my journey. So a lot of work that I have done in the past, you know, even before the relationship was around getting to know myself, a lot of self-awareness, a lot of reflection, how I show up in different situations. And that was all well and good. But the missing piece that I didn't fully have yet was the belief that I am worthy, like of loving myself. That was essentially non-existent. And I really didn't have the confidence that I wanted or needed. And So after the breakup, realizing that those were really the missing pieces, well, they were like a little there, but not really. Um, I started doing a lot of thought work and I started working with a coach and she really helped me to look at things a lot differently and how I do have so much more control in my life and of my thoughts and my feelings and the results that were happening for me than I realized. And 
knowing that I had that much control felt really good because a lot of times in life we can feel really out of control. Um, but I now know like I am responsible for my thoughts and how I show up and, and what's happening for me. And I also started doing a lot of um, EFT tapping uh-huh. and I'm, yeah, you, <laughs> you'll learn. I'm like huge, huge, huge into tapping because it's so powerful and so it's effective. It helped me a lot along my journey. It was a really, mm-hmm. I got introduced to it maybe four or five years ago. It's pretty powerful and incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And I spent years in talk therapy and mm-hmm. I cannot tell you how much faster of a progress I made using tapping versus yeah. just talk therapy. It was just wild. You want to talk them- a little bit about what tapping yes. is just for anybody listening? Yes. So EFT tapping is um, tapping on different meridian points on the body and you're rewiring the brain through doing this. So you're tapping all these different points. I do faster EFT. So we just do four points and essentially you just tap on that and you repeat what the person is saying to you. And it's sending that signal to your brain to rewire it. And it's working with your neural pathways because when you're younger, like I mentioned all the way to the age of seven, you're in a state of super learning. And that's when you're taking all the information or you know, from the world and making your own opinions about them in your little kid brain. Right. And you brought those into adulthood. And so a lot of times because of those early experiences, we think certain things about, you know, let's say relationships. Right. And, um, and so we want to rewire that because if we're feeling like, you know, love never lasts or it's really hard or, um, this is what love looks like because you learned from your parents and now you're repeating those patterns as an adult. Like we want to get to a place where we're maybe not doing that and we're able to have healthier relationships. And so using the tapping to rewire that is just so, so, so powerful. I mean, I've seen people, it's crazy. You know, I've seen people come in and one session and then come back the next time and tell me their life is completely changed. And it is incredible. Yeah, it really, it really, really is. It's, it gets to the core of things so much faster. And I agree with you. Um, my whole life was a bunch of talk therapy. And then I just reached the point where I think the difference um, really with like talk therapy or more coaching is I'm so tired of talking about my past and my trauma. Like I've lived it. I've talked about it. I've analyzed it. I've lived it. I've talked about it. I've analyzed it. Like I'm done. Like, I just want to make my future better. And that's, um, I think where the coaching came in working with coaches because it was more geared on where am I going? Who do I want to be? And then bringing in those modalities, one of them being tapping, it just, it gets it going so much faster and it feels so much lighter and more joyful almost. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it definitely does. I tap every single day in the morning when I get up. It's the first thing I do is tap. And even if it's just like, I want to have a great day, I'm just tapping on that and just, yeah, you know, setting myself up for a wonderful day. You know, even if things go wrong, like I'm still in a better place. I'm more grounded. I am feeling lighter. I'm not carrying, you know, whatever it was from my dreams or the day before with uh-huh. me. I've let it go and I can start my day and and just a, a better way. And so really doing that was key for me. And yes, I agree. You know, a lot of like coaching, you know, lots of therapy, those kind of things was really the start to this. And so 
with my clients, a lot of what we do is focus on who they want to be. Uh And we do that. So we focus on self-love and confidence and worth and getting to know ourselves and reflecting on different patterns because patterns are what's going to tell us what needs to change. That is the key. You know, we, we all have like weird random thoughts we <laughs> all throughout the day, but that doesn't mean something's like wrong. It's just, is that thought continuously coming up uh-huh. and is that reflected in our lives? And so we use tapping, um, meditation, visualizations, um, journaling, all kinds of things to really hone in on, on who they want to be and help them create that. So some people you feel it can happen quickly where they really understand more of who they want to be and they develop that sense of self. And then other people, I would imagine it's a much longer journey. Yeah. I think it depends on what you're, what you're coming in with. You know, if you're coming with a lot of trauma to, you know, therapy, then absolutely. Yes. It's going to take a little bit longer, but I still can see huge, you know, people can feel the huge shifts pretty quickly um, with these modalities and, um, especially around like anxiety, you know, that can be released pretty quick. A lot of people think they need to turn to medication and all these really extensive things to heal their anxiety. And I'm somebody who used to experience severe anxiety for years. And really this can be changed in, you know, a handful of sessions, which is pretty cool. It's so cool. I love it. And tapping is really amazing too, because you can do it anywhere. You can be like in your car or in your office and it's just so accessible and easy and you can tap for a short amount of time or a longer amount of time. You were saying um, when you wake up, you tap. And even if you have a bad day, you're more grounded. I think when we do that and we are more grounded and we are more centered, when that bad day happens, we can handle it so much more effectively. I used anything scary or negative. I used to handle with emotion and fear. So then you're not, you're not thinking clearly, but having that calm really lets you effectively be present for whatever's in front of you. So you can rationally process through it. And that's been a life changer for me, being able to step back, breathe, and handle it rationally, whatever it may be. Yes, I totally agree. And it's the resilience piece too. That that's what you're building, you know, is like I can handle this and have the tools to do so. And you don't even have to do tapping, you know, during the day. Mm-hmm. In those moments where you maybe are feeling really stressed or overwhelmed, you can. That's also great. But you don't always need that. You know, you might just need to take a couple deep breaths because you're already in the place you already did the tapping. You already like grounded yourself in the morning versus, mm-hmm. you know, if you didn't do those things, then yeah, you might be more reactive. And when we also don't recognize the patterns and what's happening behind those reactions, they're usually, they're going to stick around and they're going to get worse. Right. And we need to really understand why we're showing up that way. And a lot of times it's because we're triggered or, you know, it's, it's triggering past experiences or a thought that we might have about a situation. Yeah. A thought that we might have about a situation. That's kind of um, a a newer one for me. Like I definitely know about my past trauma, right? I was there. I loved it. 
my interpretation of the event and that's something I've been undoing. But um, when there's a certain situation or certain interaction, we then have a thought about it. But just because we have that thought, and honestly, it took me a long time to understand this. It doesn't mean it's true. It's literally our own narrative we have placed on it. And we don't know at all if that's honestly what is occurring or what somebody else is thinking. Yeah. And some of those beliefs are so sneaky and we didn't realize they're there. And that's why we're, we're triggered. And I love this work because that's what I get to do with clients is help them see those things so that we can change them. Because a lot of times we can't see our blind spots. We can't see those things that are deep within our subconscious mind that are triggering that. So Uh like an example would be, um, I work with a lot of clients on, um, tapping around money. And so when we're talking about money, there's a lot there, right? There's a lot of beliefs that we have because of how we grew up and our experiences. And so um, I had a client recently sharing about how they, you know, had some clients say like, yeah, I, they're not going to come back or they couldn't afford it or whatever. And her, she was like, I don't know why I'm feeling so anxious about this. I'm, I'm so triggered about it. And then it really came back to that. She felt like she wasn't going to have enough, you know, that she was scared. She wasn't going to get more clients and had a lot of um, scarcity stories around this money that she wasn't really seeing. And a lot of times they were like, why am I thinking this? Like, why is this going on? It's because there are those deeper beliefs there. And and they're very sneaky. They like to creep up on us. Yeah, I think if you're not looking for them, you they live there and they're constantly chattering, but you have no idea. Yeah, they're and always I, running in the background. They're always there. Whether always. you want them to be or not, like they're subconscious. They're just running. It's yeah. just always in the background of our minds. Um, and we operate on 85% of our subconscious beliefs during the day. So you're really just running on autopilot constantly. And we don't even realize that we think we're just, you know, making all these choices throughout the day, but really it, it, we're just running on that. It's so true. And then when you decide, okay, wait, I'm going to do the work. I'm going to learn about myself. I'm going to learn about these thought patterns and how to reprogram and heal them. Well, then you have to be aware of these thoughts. And then that's the pain. That's why people start off or avoid the healing journey because when you're starting out and you're now actively being present for these thought patterns, it's hard and it's painful and it's scary. And you have to do the work to reprogram and release them. But while you're doing that work, it's a very uncomfortable place to live in. And it takes somebody really being willing to be vulnerable and open and uncomfortable to process through it because it's really easy to just get comfortable and live the narrative you've always been in and not have to shake things up. Yeah, it does take a lot to to do that. And we're never also going to get to a place where we're just healed. I don't really like that word. I don't think that's really like a thing. It's just, we're always healing. We're human beings. We're very complex, you know, and as we age, we have more life experience, more things that are coming in. And that's why you hear about people, you know, midlife than being like, Oh my gosh, like I just remembered this thing from childhood that Mm -hmm. happened and how it impacted me. And it's just because we're always evolving mm-hmm. and we have to be okay with that, that that's okay. We don't that's have to be overwhelmed. Yeah. We don't have to be overwhelmed by all the things that we want to change and fix about ourselves and, and that are coming up. It's okay. Like we'll get to it and yeah, 
Well, and the better support you have and the more tools you have in your toolbox, the more it's just a part of life. And it doesn't have to be this overwhelmed because you're prepared, you're ready, you have strategies to walk yourself through it and to help yourself navigate through it. And it's not, you know, unless there's like a traumatic specific event, it doesn't have to be earth shattering. And that's why I love doing this work because I'm introducing this to my children now in the hopes that when they're adults, they have tools to look back on because they're not going to be adults without issues. I'm sure me trying to parent them in a way that I think is appropriate is not exactly what they need for who they are. And, you know, I always joke that we should all start like a therapy fund for our own kids, like a college fund, a therapy fund, because they're going to say they needed something. They needed me to show up differently in some way. Um, but I really hope they'll know how to tap and they'll know how to meditate and they'll know how to lean into gratitude and they'll know how to journal and they'll have self-awareness. I, that's my goal is to set them up now on how to use those tools. Yeah, I agree. Everyone everyone should have a fund for this because you can never be perfect. You know, nobody's parents were, you know, we will not be, um, and just being okay with that and just doing your best, you know? Yeah. Giving them the tools to like navigate life as this is your job, you know, and there's no, no no perfection in that statement. Just do what we can. And you can't, and you know, my son's, um, a fourth grader right now and it's a more challenging year and He's really academic and this year he has a lot of anxiety around school. So we've decided, I'm like, listen, do the best you can, but this is a really good experience for you that life is sometimes hard, but you don't stop. You keep going and you do the best you can. And then we're navigating that because I don't need him to be an adult that shows up at a job and goes, I don't like the way this happened, or I don't want to work this hard, or I can't do hard things. So I'm going to run the other direction, right? He needs to know that life is continuous and it ebbs and it flows. And he can just use these tools and navigate his way through it. So I think this work is just good for all ages, all stages of life. And I think the program that you're creating sounds amazing. Yeah. I'm so excited to launch it. I, it's going to make, you know, this work so much more accessible to people and help them to get to that secure attachment place where they can have really healthy, amazing relationships and, and have the love for themselves that they deserve and have always wanted. When are you launching it? Um, probably sometime in the next three months. Um, ah, that's exciting. yeah, I am really excited. <laughs> Does it have a name? It does not have a name yet, but if anyone's interested, then go follow me on Instagram at becoming Christina Marie, and I'll be announcing everything on there about when it'll be out and everything that it will involve and entail. And, um, in the meantime, I'm just doing one-on-one coaching and, you know, that's awesome. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to me about this topic. I think it's such an important topic. Um, so I'm really happy that we got to chat about it. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more, please rate, review, and follow along on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find out more about me at www.jessiebeloist.com 
and follow along at Facebook at Jesse Boyce or on Instagram at, at Jesse Boyce. See you again next week with another great episode.